Another legal blow for the public protector from the North Gauteng High Court this time. They set aside her report on Pravin Gordon and the SARS rogue unit, and the judgment is littered with very, very critical language. Um, Amongst other things, it says that uh, the public protector displayed a, quote, manifest bias, unquote, towards Pravin Gordon and Ivan Pillay. And the conclusion is the the report fails at every point. We are satisfied that the report is the product of a wholly irrational process bereft of any sound legal or factual basis. It cannot stand and must be set aside. And one of the ways that courts have to show their displeasure with appeals brought before them is to declare a punitive costs order, which they did in this case, and said the public protector must pay a 15% out of her own pocket for that punitive costs order. So her personal legal costs and the costs to us, the taxpayer, of her every single time failed legal challenges are mounting. Kyle Cowan, investigative journalist with News24. Uh, hello, Kyle. This really is a strong judgment. It's an exceptionally strong judgment, but unfortunately, John, these kinds of comments surrounding the public protector are something that we've seen before from our courts. It's devastating of her conduct. It shows that she did not conduct a proper investigation, and it's really, really a very serious issue. It's something that I think we need to be discussing every day. Is the public protector acting in the public's interest? Well, quite clearly she's not. But um, unfortunately, because Kyle and John say so, that's not enough to get rid of her. I'm going to be checking in with our parliamentary correspondent, Kyle, when I've chatted to you about progress in the parliamentary inquiry into her fitness to hold office. And I'm pretty certain that that will find that she's not legal to not fit to hold office, but then that will be appealed and counter-appealed. So we're probably with her for for a while. And, I mean, it was interesting to to read what the uh, the judgment had to say about the SARS rogue unit because it surfaced towards the end of last week Mm -hmm. in Dalian Porfu's Mm -hmm. cross-examination of Pravin Gordon, where, again, Dalian Porfu was speaking about the rogue unit as if it is an established Mm -hmm. fact that there was a rogue unit. And this judgment again makes clear that there was no such thing. No, there was a unit. It was never rogue. This has been the contention and the argument the whole time. I think to continue to perpetuate this narrative of this unit being rogue, of you know, operatives in the unit being rogue, I think it's political. I do not think that it is a, a legal or factual term. I think it is merely a political talking point. And what we have to understand is that no one has ever denied that the unit existed. What was denied was the, the actions attributed to the unit. You know, for example, planting bugs in former... President Jacob Zuma's home. That was denied vehemently for years. So I think there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of toing and froing on this issue, but it's very simple, and the court has now made it even easier for us. 81 investigations over the space of seven years, and no one has been able to present evidence that this unit conducted illegal spying or illegal intelligence gathering. I think this judgment, which will obviously be taken on appeal, is the final word in this. I think it should end here. Yeah, you say, well will be taken on appeal. I I think 
It shouldn't be because she'll lose again and there might be a further punitive cost order for her. Um, I don't know who's paying her legal fees. I do know who's paying the public protector officer's legal fees, you and me and all of the other taxpayers. But I suppose there's this again, because it is a Chapter 9 institution, it is an independent institution, there's nobody who can give her an order or a strong warning not to take this on appeal. Yeah, that's very correct. But when has this public protector ever let the facts get in the way of what she decides to do? Um, to be honest, this judgment shows us exactly what she thinks of other people's narratives or versions of events. Um, this, this judgment is clear in that the, the public protector entered this SARS investigation against former Commissioner Pravingal Dan with preconceived notions and biases, and she acted on them, ignoring hundreds of pages of affidavits and evidence that have been in the public domain for months now. And we as journalists have been able to point out where she erred and where she went wrong and where she even ignored certain crucial things in recording that she relied on to make findings against people, findings that have a severe impact on the way that people operate politically in their jobs. I mean, this rogue unit story has destroyed people's lives. And what the public protector did was essentially to take that narrative and step it up another notch to reinvent it and breathe new life into it. And it's a very, very serious indictment on what the public protector considers worthy of her time and resources. Yeah, again, you know, it's, it's not just that she's found lacking in her understanding of the law or her application of a law. She is found guilty of bad faith, of deliberately setting out well, they don't phrase it in quite these in quite these terms, but the, the message is clear that she kind of decided what she was going to find before really investigating, did a very poor investigation and came up with what exactly she intended to come up with at the beginning. Yeah, and, you know, and actually the, the court found that she didn't conduct any investigation to, you know, there was no attempt to find the truth, which is even worse. And what, what makes this a problematic discussion to have as a journalist is because it's Pravin Gordon. And immediately then you are attacked as this protector of holy cows and this white monopoly capital journalist, etc. What if the public protector decided tomorrow to conduct an investigation like this into Ace Mahashile, for example, where she was clearly biased, she, she had no regard for the fact, would those same people still be talking about this? And I don't think so. The problem is, John, is that the pub office of the public protector is supposed to be one of our highest forms of defense against systemic corruption and maladministration at the highest levels of government. It is arguably the most serious mechanism that our constitution has allowed for to fight corruption. And it is being misused and deliberately sort of trodden into the ground by the current incumbent. And we need to understand that this person is not acting because, oh, she made a mistake or, oh, you know, she didn't know all the facts. The facts were in front of her in this case, and she just forged ahead. She just pushed through the wall and still made the same findings. It's a very, very serious indictment on her integrity. Carl Cowan, investigative journalist with News24. Thanks very much. Now Babalo Ndenze of our parliamentary team. Babalo, good afternoon. There's been a, a bit of a delay. Uh, the progress has, the, the, the process has been moving. The Speaker has announced a very high level and I think creditable panel of investigative, uh, not investigative, independent investigators to look into the matter of the public protector's fitness to hold office. But there, their 30 days to do the job has been extended, and I think, understandably so, to 90 days. 
Yes, yes, indeed, John. Um, so um, the speaker, Tandi Moti, said that at the weekend, um, um, said that this extension would be granted. And the former constitutional court judge, Besan Kabinde, um, advocate Dumisan Sebeza, uh, one of two senior counsels, as well as advocate Johan Duval, had asked the speaker for the 30-day period prescribed in the rules for it to conduct the, ex- for it to conduct the inquiry to be extended. And she allowed for this. So we will see this process starting, but not maybe as soon as some of us had expected, especially following last week's uh, appeal failure by the public protector, who has spokesperson earlier today um, tells me that um, there's no decision yet on her course of action following that failed appeal. Um, Does she go directly to the constitutional court? We don't know. We wait. You know, but some would say it's a, it would be ill-advised, you know, knowing what the court has said about her previously, that, you know, she had acted in bad faith in the bank court matter and also slept with a personal cost order. And, you know, to add insults to injury, today's court uh, ruling as well. So it's really up to the public protector now, John, to give us a, an idea of her next you know, course of action. Do I misunderstand that there is a part A of her application, part B of which um, her attempt to appeal was turned down, still has to happen in the first part of next year, and that is a case arguing against the rules under which Parliament is going to conduct this process of investigation into her fitness to hold office? Yes, correct, John. I mean, in her appeal papers, in the first Part A, uh, not to be granted this interim order to stop the process from going any further. She had argued that not granting her this interim order, you know, could get her suspended even before the parliamentary rules are tested constitutionally, which will happen in Part B. And that was one of her fears, you know, that she quite ex- she expressed in her papers. So that part is moving ahead. I mean, as far as we know, she's still moving ahead with that part. Uh, Dalimbofu made it quite clear during the, the appeal process, you know, and the court process. So we're just waiting to see what happens in the new year on how this would go. But, you know, John, it could be anyone's bet on how the court would find in that instance. Yeah. So we just wait and see exactly how we are directed on that matter. The 90 days for the panel, ha- has that started or does that kick in at a point when they say we are now ready to start? And if it's the latter, do we have any idea when that 90-day period will start? No idea yet. It's not quite clear from the from Parliament. Um, I mean, they are updating us quite regularly on this matter, even you know during the weekends. So they will surely this week, as Parliament goes on leave and members go on, on, on extended leave until next year, we will get an exactly an, an, maybe a, a timetable even of these proceedings and how the matter will be conducted with timeframes and dates as to exactly when their work begins and, you know, when they meet for the first time. Okay, well, let, let, let's assume that they meet on the 1st of January. It's unlikely, but just for the sake of clarification, that would mean uh, January, February and March. They'd be finished at the end of March. What happens after that? After that, the panel will then have to make a decision whether, you know, is it worth now going ahead with an actual inquiry into a fitness to hold office. So this is more of an exploratory phase where they look at all the evidence which will be presented, you know, by the complainants, which would be the DA in this matter, and anyone else who would be, you know, considered a interested party. And only then will they decide on what course of action to take. So this the first phase is really to determine whether she does in fact need to be 
investigated a fitness to hold office and whether they will press you know charges and what the terms of reference will be at that stage john Babalo, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, even if things go without appeals, which seems extremely unlikely, it's going to be a good while, a good many months with the public protector still in office before she can be removed as per correct process and correct procedures do need to be observed in these things. Babalo Ndenze of our Eyewitness News team.